Uh, let's put our hands together, guys. I, I, uh, uh, you know, I think the older I get, the more I recognize the grace of God. The more I see God moving and I, I'm more grateful. Um, this song, it started off with, all my words fall short, I got nothing new. It's like, I don't know what else to say. God has been so, so good. How could I express all my gratitude? Yesterday, uh, I, uh, I went mountain biking. I took my bike out for a ride. I haven't ridden it for like seven months or whatever long it's been because of my balance issues. And I felt like, like literally like a third grader riding their bike. I had my hands, I was playing music, I was riding, I was going as fast as I could. In fact, if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die on this bike right now. It's just like it felt so good with the wind blowing in my face. And I, uh, I was just a heart full of gratitude. And I posted it on my uh, Instagram page and, uh, and a guy who didn't know anything about it, because I, I posted a picture and I just, I just said, I'm coming back, you know what I mean? And then he, he, he said, um, where have you been? That's what he said. And then I thought, um, man, you don't know. You don't know. You ever felt like that? Like, like you know how far God has brought you. You know where you used to be. You know who you used to be. And now you're in a different place today. Glory to God. Now you can praise God and you thank Him and you recognize His goodness over your life. And you want to tell that person, you don't know how far I've come. You don't know. God is so good. Here's what I want to ask you to do, guys. I'm going to ask you to just get out of your comfort zone. Those of you who are watching online, I want you to do the same thing. And I want you to just thank God for His goodness over your life. I want you to do this, all right? And I want us to just let go, just thank God. Hasn't God been good in your life? Hasn't He been merciful in your life? Thank God you have breath in your lungs. Hello. Thank God you're standing and right where you're at, you can do the same thing. So let's do this. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Say, thank you, Jesus. Shout it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Shout it out. Thank you, God, for the life you've given me. Tell them out loud. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Tell them, thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. Thank you, God, that you never gave up. Thank you, God, that you never left me. Thank you, Jesus, that you watched over me. Thank you, Jesus, for you, you saved me. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. Shout it out. Thank you for the breath in my lungs. And God, we worship you right now. We give you our problems. We give you our worries. And we thank you in advance for working through all of it for your glory and for your kingdom. Somebody say praise the Lord. You came to church today. Some of you are ready to meet God, and I can tell you came with a heart that you're hungry. Anybody hungry? I can tell who's hungry. I can tell who's not. And the Lord will respond to that person who is hungry for Him. Glory to God. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for those who are watching online right now, moving their hearts. Thank you for those who are in the house right now in person, moving their hearts, Lord. We surrender to you, Lord. And we give you permission to do whatever you want in our hearts. We just need you in a bad way, Lord. We need you so desperate, Lord. We cannot inhale without you. We cannot exhale without you. And every good thing we have in our life has come from your hand. And we just recognize you're the one behind everything. So, Lord, right now, right now, I, we ask you to, by your, the power of your Holy Spirit, just to work in me and through me. Lord, you know, this chapter of Hebrews is... Uh, there's so much in it, God. I want to I want to do well for you, God. So take a hold of my thoughts and the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, and 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 make this message just burn inside of me like it already started burning here, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you change lives. I pray that during this sermon, people get saved. And during this sermon, people turn to you, Jesus, with all their hearts. I pray that during this sermon, the arrogant humble themselves, Lord. The one who's full of pride humbles himself or herself. I pray that the one who is uh, 
heavy. Their heart is heavy, Lord. I pray that you touch that person, God, and just show them that you're with them, Lord, like only you can do. Thank you for your good grace. Thank you for church. Thank you for your faithfulness. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray all this. Amen. You're so good, guys. Uh, before you sit down, turn to the person next to you and just tell them, remember. Can you do that? Remember. And then you can have a seat. Thank you so much, guys. Remember. Man, can you give us, uh, I say man, I don't know why I said that. That's the old street days of me coming out or something. Could you put your hands together for our worship team? I appreciate them. I say uh, they put so much work, and, and uh, God bless our, all of our volunteers. We have amazing, amazing ministry partners working in kids' ministry, even right now, and uh, youth ministry, and all across. Our young adult ministry, they are kicking butt and taking names. I'm just telling you, that's, I, I, I'm going to crash their party one night. I'm going to want to be there for a little bit, but it's so cool to see God move in every, every area of our of our lives. He's so faithful. So um, about four years ago or so, um, maybe five, I remember um, dropping off my son at college in Nashville, Tennessee. And I remember, um, this is our first, so this, uh, some of you have done this before, and this is just normal, and, and you, know, the, the, you know, you've done to many kids now, and you don't shed a tear, well, good for you. Um, I, I did, and uh, I remember as I was dropping him off at the Nashville airport, I gave him a hug like he was dying the next day or something, and, and I'm like, don't forget to, like, wash your clothes, <laughs> and don't forget, don't forget, you got to remember to check your oil, and, and, and remember to wash your bed sheets, and remember to brush your teeth, you know, I'm just a total dad, you know, just going through this list of anything that popped into my head, remember... Don't forget, and he was like, yeah, Dad, I'm okay, Dad. You did a good job. And I said, what do you mean? I'm not done being your dad. <laughs> and, and it was just that kind of moment. And as I looked at uh, Hebrews chapter 13, that's what I saw. Hebrews chapter 13. When you look at Hebrews, uh, the first, the first you know, 10 chapters is all about this message of uh, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater than all the angels, and Jesus is greater than... Moses and Jesus is greater than Melchizedek and Jesus, the blood of Jesus is greater than the blood of any bulls and goats in the Old Testament. I mean, the whole, the chapter, first 10 chapters is Jesus is greater. And then, of course, chapter 11 is you got to have faith. If you want to please God, you have to walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God. Hebrews chapter 11, the great, great list of people who walked by faith, lived by faith, and did amazing things. And then in chapter 12 of Hebrews, the message is, it's going to be hard. No, you, you, don't, you don't get it. It's going to be hard. You're going to want to quit. You're going to want to walk away. You're going to get tired. You're going to become discouraged. Things aren't going to make sense for you. Are you going to still be in it? Are you going to stay in the fight? Are you going to, are you going to walk by faith? Are you going to keep, are you going to, is that, that's Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 13, when you look at these 25 verses of chapter 13, it's like the writer is saying goodbye at the Nashville airport. I mean, that's what it feels like. And when you look at it, it covers a lot of different stuff. Covers a, it reminds me of going to like Sinzetti's, you know, the restaurant up here in North Denver, and you go there. It's an Italian restaurant, but they have all kinds of food. And I feel like chapter, chapter 13 is like the Sinzetti's of Hebrews. It just feels that way. But I want you to know that it has more, there's more in common in, in chapter 13 than you realize. At first glance, you might think like, you know, the writer has like ADD. He's just like going all over the place and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but you have to understand something. The writer's making this assumption that you wanna do life with God. The writer's making this assumption that the, that the, the audience are Hebrew Christians. They're in the fight. They're the ones who are outlasting those who walked away. They're still in it. You know, they're still at church. They're still in it. Other people left, but I'm still in it. I'm still in the fight. And that's the audience of, of the letter of Hebrews. And in chapter 13, 
It's all about this relationship with Jesus. It's this idea that you've allowed Jesus to take over your life and you've said yes to Jesus and, and, and you've said yes to walking with him and, 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 and you're learning what that means to walk with Jesus and, and you're learning what it means to let him be Lord of your life. You're learning what it means to be a servant. You're learning what it means to die to yourself. You're learning what it means to live for him. You're learning, and, and as a result of that internal decision, that spiritual decision, all of a sudden, the way you treat others is different. You know what I'm talking about. The way you love your enemies is different, and, and your entertainment life, what you look at and what you don't look, like, look at is, is different. What you listen to, the music you listen to, is just, it's just different. The way you treat those you go to school with or work with, it's just different. Your integrity, it's just different. The words that come out of your mouth, it's just different. And that's what happens when someone turns to Jesus. I mean, really turns to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I want you to fill up every square inch of my soul. And when you say yes to Jesus doing that, your life looks different. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I love Bonhoeffer, he said this, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. Isn't that good? That's an authentic Christian life. Where people look at you and say, you are just different. Say different with me. You're just different. And as you turn to Christ and you say, nope, Look, and it just happened. So in chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews starts off with verse 1, and, and, and here he goes. He says this, keep on, you know, let's read this out loud, guys. It's a great memory verse. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Keep on. So there's this assumption or this belief that it's already happening, right? There's love that's happening, and it should keep on loving your brothers and sisters. So that word love in the original Greek language, it's this word that means phileia. And it means, phileia, does that sound familiar? That we have a famous city in the United States named after this, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And that's what this word love means, this brotherly love. So it's like, keep on loving each other with a brotherly love. You're my brother. You're my sister. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them that. You're my brother or sister, depending on. <laughs> no, you know what it is. <laughs> All the married couples are like, I ain't going to say that to them. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? Check this out. That phrase, brother, brothers, you know what it means, brothers, in the original language? It means from the same womb. From the same womb. And the idea behind that is we have more in common with each other than we think. We have the same God, don't we? We have the same God. Glory to God. We're all made in the image of God. Doesn't matter what color you are, whether you're black or white or mahogany like me. Doesn't matter. We're all made in the image of God. We all need the grace of God, don't we? Your worst enemy needs the grace of God, and you need the grace of God. I need the grace of God in my life. I recognize that. We're all in the same fight together. We're all in the same world, and we have the same challenges, very similar challenges. And the writer of Hebrews starts off by saying, just keep on loving. Here's what I want you to hear. Love each other because we all come from the same womb. Love each other because of that. Because of that. You know, here at Thorn Creek, we've helped out a lot of people over the past 19 years now. A lot of people. Been all kinds of stories. We helped out this single mom just watching online, and we helped her out with food, and we helped her out with, uh, she needed pots and pans. We helped her out with money. She needed a new car battery. We helped her out with car battery. I mean, it's all kinds of stories of the church loving each other, too, with meals and, and mercy. When I was going through my whole ordeal with COVID and all that stuff, I, I received a lot of love. And, and, and it's just a blessing to be part of a church. Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. 
So when you look at Scripture, uh, Scripture makes it really clear. Jesus makes it really clear that, you, you know, if you really call yourself a Christian, then the way you love will prove to the world that Jesus lives inside of you. So don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. It's the way you love. People look at your love and they say there's something different inside of you. There's something different inside of you. Verse 2 says this. Um, the writer says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Interesting, isn't it? And, you know, hospitality could be defined as the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, or strangers. Um, have you ever hung out with someone who has the gift of hospitality? You go to their house and you just are so comfortable, you just feel like you have refrigerator rights. You don't even have to ask. You know what I'm talking about? And you're so comfortable in their house, you can take off your shoes and you don't think twice about it. You relax. You just say, where are the, where, where are the, where are the cups at? Where are the, I'll help myself in the kitchen. Have you ever been around someone who has that kind of hospitality gift? I don't have that gift. I'm just telling you. I don't have that gift. <laughs> You're, everybody's welcome to my house, but there's just something about some people that have that gift of hospitality. And let me just tell you, I know who you are. Some of you have that gift, and if I ever get kicked out of my house, I'm going to go to your house, and I'm going to stay at your house because I feel so comfortable around you. But other people, you go and you hang out with them, and they say, welcome to my home, and you're thinking, it's not really a welcome. I need to sit here. And I can't go past this line, and I can't go past this line, and if I need something, I need to request it. You know what I'm talking about? Some people have that gift of hospitality. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And, and uh, when I look at this verse, I think most of us, I don't know about your vision of an angel here, but here's a picture of, you know, a statue of, uh, of Michael, Archangel Michael. And, and I think some of us think like, like this, is, this is the angel, this is what it looks like kind of thing. But here, this verse says, no, 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 no could like, look like you and me, an angel. And undoubtedly, as a writer talked about this, and remember he's talking to Hebrew Christians, you know, there's some stories in the Bible where, where there was someone that looked very ordinary. It was an angel. I'm thinking about Abraham. Abraham was uh, in Genesis chapter 18. Three men showed up and talked to him, and he knew there was something special about them, and, and one of them was the Lord himself. And the other two were angels. And then when you flip the page and you look at Genesis chapter 19, Lot meets these two angels. So you never know what will happen. So treat strangers as if they might be an angel. You never know. This verse tells us angels exist too. You see that? It tells us angels exist. You know, I, I think about our, our, our desire to love on others. Uh, Jesus said in chapter 25 of Matthew, he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. We're about ready to do something here, guys, and we're calling it Hope Week. We just believe the church should also go outside our walls. So I want you to mark this calendar, or mark this date on your calendar, put it on your phone, September 18 through 24th. September 18 is a Sunday. So for seven days, each day, we're going to do a different compassion project. One of the times we're going to go to the Renaissance apartment complex and we're going to feed the entire complex. We're going to give them burgers and dogs and tomatoes and lettuce and onions and just love on this apartment complex. It's a rough apartment complex. A lot of the people that live there just came out of the homeless uh, streets, literally, and they're getting back on their feet. And we, we, this is a, the place where when we do Feed 5,000, we feed the entire apartment complex. It's on the south side of Thornton. And we're going to do that, and you'll have an opportunity to be a part of that. Another night, um, we're, we're, we're going to partner with an organization that uh, uh, teaches people how to minister to, to people who were involved in sex trafficking. Uh, that's going to be one of the nights we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing another one. We're going to minister to some some uh, teenage moms who who uh, have have kids and and uh, they're trying to get their life in order. And we're going to come alongside them and 
and minister to them as well. All kinds of other stuff. For seven days, we're going to be doing something. We're going to ask everyone to participate in as many times as you possibly can and be a part of that. I'm so excited to be a part of that. And we're doing that because we want people to know the love of God. We want people to know Jesus Christ. That's why we're doing it. In verse 3 of Hebrews, it says this, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Isn't that an interesting way to put it? Remember those who were in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. As if you felt their pain. We're looking at starting another ministry. This is just early on in its stages, but I want, you, I want to talk about it because I think it's pretty exciting. There's a, a ministry called uh, God Behind Bars. You ever heard of that? God Behind Bars. It's a, it's a ministry that uh, ministers to those who are incarcerated, um, those who uh, are, 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 are behind the bars, and they're trying to get their life back together, and they minister to these people. Well, we were contacted by God Behind Bars by email, and they said, you know what? We've seen your online services, and we think your online services would go great in God Behind Bars and work in a prison cell and, and have Thorn Creek Church piped into a prison so people can get hope and come to know Jesus. Isn't that beautiful, guys? God Behind Bars. That's what we're looking at doing. I'm so excited about it. And then here... The writer jumps again. You think, okay, we talked about love. We talked about hospitality with strangers. We talked about people who were in prison. Well, this is a good time to talk about this. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. So out of, you know, it's like, where did this come from? The writer says, give honor to marriage. Marriage is God's institution. It's about a, a, a man and a woman coming together before God and making a promise to do life together, saying these incredible vows that most of them don't really know what they're saying. <laughs> but they're incredible vows and saying, I'm going, I do, I do, I do, and I promise to do it before the eyes of God. It's God's idea, marriage. And this verse tells us that God wants you to honor your marriage. Husbands, honor your wives. Love them like Jesus loved the church. Love them like he was sacrificial. Love them. Wives, respect your husbands. Don't try to control them. Love them. Respect them. Pray for them. They need prayer. It's okay. They're going to make a mistake, but you make mistakes too. It's okay. We, we grow together. We grow together. You know, when Grace and I, I, I don't remember when it was. It had to be early on. And um, you guys just keep praying for me because she is always over me. I cannot, you know, she's always wanting to kiss me. And I'm like, keep your hands to yourself, Grace. It's a real problem we have right now, guys. But uh, <laughs> anyway. But uh, um, <laughs> I remember at one point we said, you know what? We're going to grow together. We're going to grow together. Honor God. But this verse also says, it's, it talks about it's, God will surely judge those who are immoral and those who commit adultery. And if you look at another version, uh, NIV, it says marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. The marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually, all, the, all the sexually immoral. That word pure means undefiled, uncontaminated, or set apart. So he's talking about the sex life. See, God cares about your sex life. If you're married, make sure your sex life pleases God. Okay? It's a beautiful thing to be married. But make sure your faith in God is not compromised. Make sure you, you love each other and you support each other. And sex is a great thing in marriage, in marriage. But the way it becomes undefiled or impure is when you have sex outside of marriage. It changes things. That's not God's will. And let me just say, let me speak to the singles online and in the audience. It's possible to live as a virgin. It's possible to live with abstinence and say, no, you know what? 
the Spirit of God lives inside of me, and I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to please God. And some of you, maybe you've made mistakes in the past, and you have a little bit of regret and guilt, and I just want, I want to say, today's a new day. Today's a new day. Glory to God. It's a new day. But it, 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 your life changes when you say, I'm going to do life God's way. And ladies, let me say this. You don't have to have sex with that guy to keep him around. He's not worth it. If that's what's going to, if that's what, if that's what, he's not worth it. Move on. Just say, get out of here. Giddy up. You don't, you, don't, you don't need to be in my life. Forget it. And let me say this. I know our schools, you know, the average statistic is something like 50%, but the truth is there's way more virgins than you think. Way more. And men, let me say this. You don't need it as bad as you think you do. You don't. You're not going to explode or self-destruct or anything like that. You're going to survive. It's okay. Turn to Jesus. The Lord Jesus will help you. The Lord Jesus will help you. You treat her. Treat her as, as, as a beautiful treasure. And, and, and the scripture says God cares about what happens under the sheets. That's what the scripture says. And he wants your sex life to be pleasing before him. I'm going to preach a whole sermon on marriage on October 8 and 9. So I'm super excited about that marriage. I didn't marry that marriage. <laughs> I already got married. I don't want to get married again. Uh, I, about that sermon, it's going to be good. And then uh, the writer of Hebrews goes to verse 5. He says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. Oh, wow. For God has said, I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you. Isn't that good news? So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Don't love money. Money comes and money goes. God wants your worship. Here's, here's the problem. The lure of money is the belief that it can provide for you better than God's promises. That's the lure of money. Money is going to give me a lifestyle that I want. So I want more money to get that lifestyle. But here it is. The other side of this belief is an internal battle for your worship. And it's a really short step. It's a really short step to worship your money. Really short step. That's the reason why when pastors talk about money, people say, I'm not going to go to that church again. Because they love their money. But really... I find it very interesting that God gives us this commodity and says, okay, when, this is how you're going to make transactions, and this is what you need. When you wash your car, you need this, and when you go to the grocery store at King Supers, you need this, and, 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 and when you buy clothes, you need this kind of thing. There, God wants you to walk by faith. God wants you to trust him and his promises. That's why giving to God is a huge spiritual step. I just sent an email to someone just this last week. They started, offer, they started honoring God with their finances, and I typed an email to them saying, way to go, man, way to go. You keep walking by faith. God will never let you down. You know that? God will never let you down. You give yourself to God first, and he'll take care of everything. He'll never let you down. Verse 7, here it goes. He's, going, he's, he's, uh, he's switching subjects again. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Wow. Think of all the good that has come from their lives. And follow the example of their faith. That's what Scripture says. Remember them. Pray for them. Honor them. It pleases God when you do that. It pleases God. Follow their example of faith. Give them some grace, too. I know in the past, some of you have had some really rough experiences with leaders. It's okay. They're growing as well. And, and you know what the truth is? They're accountable to God. They're kind of, you don't have to worry about that. They're accountable to God. I love verse 8. Jesus, let's say this out loud. This is such a good verse, guys. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't that a great verse? I remember coming across this verse after I just came to know Jesus, and, and I was like, oh, this is so good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. And I look at this, and I think, I'm, I think, I'm so grateful. Like, we don't have to have um, Jesus updates in our, you know, I need to download the latest Jesus, you know, every three months. I have to doubt, you know, I'm so grateful Jesus is the same 
yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same Jesus who met the woman at the well. That same Jesus wants to meet with you. That Jesus who, who forgave that woman who was caught in adultery, that same Jesus wants to forgive you. That Jesus who wept with Lazarus' sister, John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. That same Jesus will weep with you. That Jesus who brought Lazarus from the dead and Jairus' daughter back to life, that same Jesus wants to resurrect your life. That Jesus that you see in Scripture, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Glory to God. He doesn't change. You don't need like a, he wasn't like a 1970s Jesus, and now he's a 1980s, and now he's a 2000 Jesus, and now he's a contemporary Jesus. No, he's the same. It's not like he's the post-pandemic Jesus. He's always been the same. He's not the post-9-11 Jesus. He's the same Jesus yesterday, today. He's the unchangeable Jesus. That's who he is. Theologians would call it the immutability of Christ. The immutability of Christ. That's who he is. He's unchanging. You'll never have to worry about who, if, if he's any different. He's your, he's, your, he's your wonderful counselor. He's your mighty God. He's your everlasting father. He's your prince of peace. He's your king of kings. He's your advocate, he's your mediator, he's your comforter, he's your shepherd, he's your teacher, he's your living water. You can always count on Jesus. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he loves you. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I like what Tozer said. He said, nothing that God has ever said about himself will be modified. Nothing the inspired prophets and apostles have said about him will be rescinded. His immutability guarantees this. Jesus doesn't change with new laws from the Congress. You know that? He doesn't change. Like, oh, okay, well, Congress have just passed this law, so he probably should feel different about this. No, he's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and forever. And the writer then talks about the tabernacle. He says, so do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priests in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Understand the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of animals were burned outside the camp. So also, Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. So this section right here talks about, okay, um, apparently these new Christians were getting harassed a little bit by some of those who were holding on to the Old Testament tradition of how to be right with God. They were like, nope, this is our tradition. This is what we do. And, you, and what you're doing is different. You're living a life of faith. And the altar you're coming to is at the feet of Jesus. No, 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 you got it all wrong. This is how you do church. You don't do church like that. This is how you do it. And they were getting, they were, they were getting a little harassed over this whole thing. And as I looked at this, I thought, you know what? Many times we can be held up by tradition and we can miss what God wants to do. We can, we can miss what God, let me say it this way, uh, don't get hung up on tradition. God's way, God may want to do a new thing without compromising the message. Remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it through Christ, through his blood. And we can get so hung up, and we can make that same mistake and say, no, this is how it should be done. And you fall more in love with tradition than you do with Christ. We can make that same mistake. I mean, didn't ever, didn't, I mean think about it this way. On the other side of that, for those people who were hung up on that Old Testament, on the other side of that was a blessing for them that was available for them. And they didn't take advantage of that blessing. 
They didn't want to go on that side. They didn't want to cross the line. But on that side, there was a blessing, but they stayed on this side. I, I think there's a message for us. I think there's a message for us. Sometimes we can become so stubborn. We can become so you know, narrow-minded, and, and we can become hung up on ourselves that we're not willing to cross and get to that other side when that's where the blessing is, that's where the freedom is. But we're hung up on this side, and we're missing out on what God wants to do in our life. I mean, what do you do when God has a blessing for you, but he wants you to, he wants you to stretch a little bit, and he wants you to take that step? I mean, what do you do with that? Some of us say, nope, I'm not going to do that. And you're missing out on what God could do in your life. We're going outside the walls of our building. Decide this talk about uh, outside the camp. In the Old Testament, any time there was outside the camp, that was reserved for people who were unclean. That was re re reserved for people who were unholy or anything that was unholy. So in the camp was was holy, but outside the camp, it was considered unclean. I find it interesting that Jesus was crucified outside the camp. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus, I love the way God says, you know what, I, I'm, I'm the one, and I'm not afraid to go into darkness. I'm not afraid to, to go to the unclean, and I'll, I'll make, that's what the Pharisees had a hard time with. I, even the, 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 the tax collectors and sinners sit down and eat with Jesus. How can he do that? It's because the love of God goes outside the camp. Glory to God. The love of God is willing to cross the street. The love of God is willing to go into wherever because that's who God is. He cares about your soul so much. He's willing to go outside the camp. Um, I want to announce to you something, guys. This is so exciting. We are establishing a partnership with a ministry called Church in Action. Church in Action comes from a church in Frankfurt, Germany, and there they have these uh, mission centers all over Frankfurt, and, and they minister to different communities, and it, it's more than just like a come in and, and serve and we leave, but it's, actual, it's an actual relationship where the church becomes present in that community, and they love on those people. One of them, I've talked about it before, is in the red light district. They minister to prostitutes, and, and, and it's a, they have a presence there. So this Church in Action organization is doing this across the United States, and they've contacted me and after several, several conversations with them, and I, 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 I prayed about it, and we talked to our church board about it, and we talked about the cost involved with this, and officially, as of two weeks ago, Thorn Creek Church has become a partner with Church in Action. And what that means is we're going to be looking at opportunities to develop relationships to have mission centers all over Denver area and have a presence in all of these areas. So, so, so our, our expansion ministries director, Kaylee Villarreal, she'll be uh, going through some, she's taking some courses online. She's been, there's, there's a few weeks of courses she'll be doing, and she's going to be coached by them. And, and this is, uh, why are we doing this? Because we want to go outside the camp. We want to love people in the name of Jesus. And we want to have a relationship with them. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Verse 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. So let me just say this. Church, you will have an opportunity to be part of those mission centers. You will have an opportunity. I hope you jump in. I hope you, I hope you participate in that. Um, verse 14, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to, to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us Offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. This verse reminds us that we're just passing through. This world is not our permanent home. Just ask your body. Your body knows that already. Your body's reminding you, you know what? You're just passing through. This is not your permanent home. Verse 16 says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. That's why we do what we do. Verse 17 says, Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. And they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with what? With joy and not with what? 
that would certainly not be for your benefit. It's like there's a hint there that we're all going to be accountable with how we treat our spiritual leaders. You know, it's possible for you to be a blessing or a burden to your spiritual leader. You know that? And this, this, this warning right here is, you know what? Make sure to honor your spiritual leaders. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they're accountable to God. God called me to be a pastor. I would not be a pastor if it wasn't for the calling of God. I would not be a pastor. And it's an incredible weight of accountability that I feel all the time. I feel a weight to be right with the Lord literally 24-7. I, I was talking to someone, and, and I, I'm telling them, you know, when, when, when I come up on stage and I'm preaching, let me just tell you, it just comes from my life for the rest of the time when I'm off stage. It spills out. But the real work is when I'm off stage, and I'm, I want to make sure I have clean hands and a pure heart before God. I got to make sure I'm right, and I got to make sure I'm a good vessel for the Lord, and I need to make sure my home is right, and, and my, my thought life is right, and, and I'm right. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible burden and the weight of watching and caring for souls. But wherever you're at, and wherever you're watching online, I want to say be a blessing to your spiritual leader. Be a blessing, not a burden. Let them do it with joy, not with sorrow. God cares about the way you treat your spiritual leader. Verse 18 says, pray for us, for our conscience is clear, and we want to live honorably in everything we do. Isn't that good? Is that the desire of your heart? You want to live honorably before God with everything you do? And especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. I love this emphasis on prayer in these two verses. We're going to start a new prayer ministry. Our worship leader, Faith Chatton, is going to be heading this up. Um, but it's, it's a whole new prayer ministry that we're going to be starting. I think we have a billboard up there. I put that up. Uh, we have a whole new prayer ministry we're going to be starting. So keep an eye out. It's going to be coming. We believe strong churches are praying churches. And our hope and prayer is we have you know, hundreds of people coming together and we pray together. So many beautiful, beautiful answers to prayer. And I'm going to jump to the end here, guys, because um, it, all of a sudden the writer, he says this, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written in this brief exhortation. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from jail. If he comes here soon, I will bring him with me to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the believers there. The believers from Italy send you their greetings. May God's grace be with you all. Now, we don't know who the author is to the letter of Hebrews, but when you read this section, it sounds a lot like one guy who wrote much of the New Testament. You know his name? Paul. Sure sounds like him, doesn't it? But we don't know. What I find, as I looked at this passage, talked about Timothy in jail. So in the midst of them walking by faith, some of them are in jail. Some of them are persecuted and oppressed, and, and, and we don't have that kind of persecution today. I mean, as Christians, our persecution or our oppression might be, I didn't like the sermon. That's my problem. I didn't like the sermon. I don't, I don't really like that pastor, or, or they didn't have anyone in the kids' area, or it was a little bit cold or a little bit hot, or my coffee that I got wasn't very fresh and it wasn't very good. How, how can they expect me to go to this church? How can they expect me to go to this church, Marcus? <laughs> and this passage right here says, you know what? It required deep down obedience and faith to walk with Jesus during these days. There's no pretending going on during these days. You were in it. You were pregnant with this idea of walking with Jesus. There were no nominal Christians during these days. And this passage tells us it was hard, but there was great joy as well. They learned to worship and thank God in the midst of challenging times. Sometimes, you know, we, we, we pay attention so much to our feelings. We say, if I don't feel, if I feel a certain way, then this is where I'm at. Or if, if I feel like I was offended, or if I feel like I'm in a funk, or if I feel whatever, that we, we give our feelings way too much credit and merit. God wants you to walk by faith. Sometimes you, can tell, you need to tell your feelings, I don't care how you feel, 
I'm a child of God. I don't care how you feel. My God will not let me down. I don't care how you feel. I'm going to walk with joy in my heart. And I know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not going to let my feelings determine my joy today. I'm not going to let that happen. We, uh, last month, we introduced something that we're starting here. And it's called uh, 10 Above. 10 Above. And uh, we're doing this about once a month or so. That's the hope. But uh, we're asking everyone to uh, give an extra $10. And uh, just $10, we, we don't, don't move your tithe over or anything like that because we need to operate, guys. Uh, the church needs to stay strong. Just an extra $10. Well, um, we're doing this. Today, we're going to ask you to do the same thing, give an extra $10. And what we do is we asked, uh, asked you to, to nominate someone who might be eligible for, for 10 above. And, uh, and the, the, the conditioner of these things is, one, is they either attend Thorn Creek Church or they do not attend a church anywhere. So those are the two conditions. So we prayed, the staff prayed, and we looked at all the nominations. And there was one that rose up to the top that we felt like was led to the Lord. And this is what happened. Okay. Hi, Manita Green. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I came to Colorado back in 2013. I um, live here in the in senior care. I came here and to get a better life for my son because um, the streets of Philadelphia are getting so bad. So I wanted him to have a better life. So we came out here. And of course, when we came out here, we were supposed to have an apartment, but that didn't happen. So we wound up homeless for a few months. From there, I um, got sick and I went into the hospital. After I came out of the hospital, they put me in a sort of a nursing facility and it was a good place to be. So I've been looking for a church home when I came out here because I had to leave my church home. And um, I was looking, I visited a few churches. They were okay, but it wasn't what I was looking for. And then one day I met Kathy and she said, well, why don't you come up to our church? So when I visit Thorn Creek for the first time, as soon as I walked in the doors, I said I could feel God's presence. And I said, this is it. One day they were doing baptisms. And I said, and I'm looking like, where do they do it at? Because my church at home had like a little pool in the floor. And I'm like, where do they do it at? And I asked someone and they said, oh, you see that bucket up there, that really big bucket? And I'm thinking, there's no way I can get in that bucket because I can't stand that long. And I said, if I get in that bucket, then I'll be having the fire department come and pick me up out of there. And he did, he baptized me. And I mean, I can't say it enough. God is in that building and he's working through everybody. I mean, it's just such a great feeling. I get overwhelmed sometimes. I, Will you tell us a little bit about what your life is like currently? Um, I do, I have some, um, where the chair just, the chair is a, I, I call it the, the chair from hell. The chair <laughs> is just, has a mind of its own. It's knocked out most of my walls and doors. And I know that um, Corey came out and looked at them from church and he said they could fix it, but then he said it might be too much for, you know, the church to handle. So I have some other things that 
need to be done in things that I need personally that I don't have. And, you know, just... Um, but I don't worry too much about those things. At least I try not to because I know God is good and I know he will find a way to provide. Well, Anita, I don't know if you remember, but we just started this new giving campaign called Ten Above. Mm -hmm. And in Ten Above, we asked everybody for one weekend a month to give 10 above their regular tithe. Mm -hmm. And so this month, you have been chosen as the recipient. No, you're kidding me. And so we have this check here for oh, you. Oh, no, really? For, yeah. Oh, my goodness. For $1,000. Can... Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we love oh, you, and we want to oh. bless you. And I know things have been I'm difficult serious. for you. We're serious. Oh, oh. They are serious. We're serious. See, this is the things that Thorn Creek Church do for you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, oh, you don't know how much I need this. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We love you, Anita. And we're so happy oh. to have you. And we couldn't be more joyful to be able to bless you in this oh, way. Oh, thank you. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's okay, you don't have to say anything. Ooh, I love you. I love you. <laughs> some things I may not know. And there are some places I cannot go. My God is real, he's real in my soul. My God is real, for he has washed and made me whole. His love for me is just like pure gold. My God is real, for I can feel him in my soul.